this month, Matt whinges about the basketball season. Our third installment of the trilogy that we can never remember its name. Go to Cross Counter, where speed is ruining the quality of sports photography. Action packed, as always. Episode 38 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! This is Liu Volko. Shalom. This is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to spend a couple of bucks and euros our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment, please click on the PayPal donations link on our website to show us how much you love us. Because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. Now, news. Matt. News. Here news, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves. Because we like to. And Matt is a bit tired. Um, I'm okay. I just asked you, I'm, I'm in London at the moment because uh, I've just done a shoot for my uh, friend's company where they wanted a 360 degree shot of a particular mansion here in England. And we did part one today and we'll be doing the actual 360 shoot tomorrow. So it's not anything sports photography related, but yeah, maybe in the future. I'd love to actually do the same thing um, in different places, you know, it'd be quite cool to do it. Anyway, I digress. I will go and tell you, I don't know, you know what? I think Matt's going to tell you what happened in March. Matt Cohen, March. Yeah, March sucked. <laughs> I finished up my basketball schedule and I'm kind of happy to be done with that because it got pretty boring. I just got back from shooting my first rodeo of the season, which was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a more on the amateur side of things, not a pro rodeo. But uh, the access was really good, and I, for the first time ever, got to shoot the bucking events from inside the arena, so I was fully exposed to crazy bulls and bucking horses, and I had to make a run for the fence and jump up a couple times, which was fun. That'll keep you focused on what you're doing. Got some good stuff, some pictures that I hadn't been able to get before shooting through a fence or... Uh, across the arena or whatever. It was also the first rodeo that I've ever been to that I did not take a long lens. So I shot almost completely with a 24 to 70 and a 70 to 200, which I really like doing because it means you're getting close enough to do that kind of stuff. So you get the kind of 3D pictures and, you know, really because you're that close when the when they jump really high, there's a lot of air underneath. Got to try a few different things on the other end of the arena for the roping, um, I'd never ever been that close to the roping shoots. So instead of shooting head on from really far away, I was shooting from, I don't know, like sometimes the calves were running and they were less than five feet away from me with the cowboys and cowgirls right on their heels. So it was a lot of fun and it was good to try some things that I hadn't tried and use the access that I've <laughs> clawed and 
<laughs> fought for. So yeah, good day, but long day in the heat, and I'm exhausted. That's always tired. I ended up in, uh, I don't know if I talked about this last time, I ended up in Curacao, which is in the Caribbean. I thought I did, because I want to talk about my, you know, the best shoot. Um, I was there for a week. My other partner, my writing partner, not Matt Cohen, you know, because you don't want to actually get into that kind of territory now. We did a story on Dominican Republic last year, and uh, we followed it up this year with uh, Curacao, which is somewhere in the Caribbean, close to Miami, and it's a really small island. There's only 150,000 inhabitants, um, of which two-thirds are baseball players. No, I'm kidding. No, they're not, really. But um, they've actually produced quite a lot of baseball players. They are part of um, the Dutch kingdom, and therefore, if you're born there, you get an automatic Dutch passport, I think, or Curacao passport that lets you live in, in the Netherlands, just so you know. But um, yeah, it was really good. The only baseball I've ever shot so far was in Dominican Republic and also now in Curacao. And it was quite challenging because I had to also deal with kids again, as you do. Just managing, basically, like not photography-wise, it was quite okay because I've kind of got used to shooting in that kind of environment. Uh, where I don't really understand what other people are saying. But in Curacao, people speak English and not Spanish, which is a godsend for me. Not that I speak English very well either. It was just to manage everything all in a week's time and interviews and academy shoots and things like that and just kind of switching your brain for doing the interview shoot then off to um, doing the actual action shoots for baseball and things like that was quite, quite challenging. We're going to follow it up with another Caribbean country which I always, always wanted to go, but I won't tell you what it is because it will be a bit of a surprise later on during the year. The worst was, um, no, not really. Did I have a really bad one? Like, I'm really feeling a bit tired of shooting league football at this point, whether it be the Bundesliga or La Liga in Spain or the Premiership in England, because the World Cup is just around the corner. Just so you know, I'm going to go there to Brazil and everything's kind of all sorted out and I'm doing all the... Um, planning. I'll, I'll have more things to say about it a bit, if we get a bit closer to June 12th, which is the opening day in Sao Paulo in Brazil. Football's football. It's like I think same thing as like Matt. They kind of get to a point when you're shooting a certain sport, you get a bit tired of it because it's the same team over and over and over, same shit every day or every week really. So I think I'm just overall tired of football, which I will be shooting tomorrow evening in London for Champions League, but you gotta do what you gotta do to pay the bills. That is it for news. In Masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. You got something to say? Tell us at BigLensFastShutter.com. So this is a part three of the trilogy that we have forgotten the title of, but I've written it down from last time so I know what it's called. It is a step-by-step -step workflow, a day of a sports photographer, colon, a trilogy. It's a very long, long title. I don't know why it's so long, but I thought it were being very, very cute and smart by naming it that way. So the third installment is after the game day, you've shut the match, and now you've gone back to your house or to your office or to the media center or to the press office or whatever. So this is post-match and what you will be doing. Matt Cohen, as a sports photographer, 
what will you be doing after the match? Well, right after the match, I need to send a bunch of pictures, especially if there were any kind of game deciding plays that I had pictures of. Anything. Wait, so why, why do you have to send the pictures? Who are you sending it to? So most of what I do non-rodeo-wise is for a wire service. And I guess we should take a step back because I think this is something that most people who are trying to get into this don't understand at all. And some of them don't even understand after you tell them. This business is very, very often not about who has the best pictures. I'm not happy about it, but... If, if you want to do this, you have to really understand that a lot of times, unless you're shooting for a magazine or a commercial client or something like that, but if you're shooting for a wire, if you're shooting for a newspaper, a website, anything like that, it is all about speed. And somebody else's shitty picture now is better than your good picture later, even if that later is 10 or 15 minutes. I, I you know, it, it didn't take me very long to figure this out, but the more people I explain it to, the more I realize that I guess some people aren't used to working very fast. They're not used to setting up their code replacements and photo mechanic and their FTP connection and things like that. But all of that stuff is just as important as getting the picture. It might not be as important for if you're listening to this now because you're trying to get good enough to get into this position. But this is something that I wish I would have known right when I first started because developing good habits on getting your pictures out quickly is really important. And when you're tired after shooting a game out, you know, I shot a rodeo, it was pretty hot. It was, I was there all day, you know, I was exhausted. And if I didn't have everything set up to edit all those pictures and get them out really quickly, then they wouldn't have gone anywhere. So what does that mean? It means having the rosters in your computer. It means having your software set up. It means having your FTP client open and connected to where the pictures are going. It means tagging the pictures in the camera while you're shooting. There's like a little lock button and you can choose to only um, import those. That's uh, really my number one tip on how to get things out quickly is marking the pictures in the camera because then instead of trying to download 300 pictures off your card, you're doing 15 or 20. You can work on those really quickly, get them out, and then deal with the other ones later. That's all. We've covered that a little bit in in our workflow discussions, but it bears repeating because it's not just take as many pictures as you can and then sort it out two days later or something. I see this way too often, especially with younger photographers where you know I'll see something on Facebook and they're like, oh, I'm getting ready to edit these pictures and the game was five days ago. That's not how it works. And you might be able to get away with that for the, if you're shooting for fun, obviously, if you have a client who's not very demanding right now, that's fine. But it's a bad, bad habit to get into. If you're not going to work on those pictures, then they're just sitting there. They're not really worth anything to anybody. So you got to get them out very quickly. So that's the first thing that I need to do after the game is over is get back to my computer as quickly as I can and get out 10, 15, 20 pictures that are important but that has to be done within a couple minutes. I mean, like 15 minutes is too long. We were just talking about it. I think we'll talk a bit more on uh, cross-counter, but we're talking about the level of um, work and photos that has been seen on during the Social Olympics um, has been very, very bad. And we'll talk about more on, um, yeah, on, uh, on cross-counter. But anyway, this has to do with speed as well. I'm going to kind of go in the opposite direction and talk about what needs to be, because I work quite a lot with magazines and what happens when 
you know that kind of work drops on your lap. Usually, like you have um, usually prerequisites or just like a framework of what they want. Like they'll want certain shots in um, in portrait, certain certain shots in uh, landscape. You know, like not the actual landscape photography, but like you know what I mean, the actual orientation of the picture. And they'll want like if uh, if you want something to like specific thing, they would actually ask you like we want. And actually, you know, this particular player, we want a up close picture of that, or we want wide angle, blah blah. So you have to kind of like understand what the requirements are while you're actually doing your shoot. Once you're done, you will have to like what I usually do is that before I even send them um, FTP and to, to send all the big files out there, I send samples because you can just you know make it very very small and send it out. This could be very very useful when you don't really have um, high um, very fast internet connection. You can send the samples instead of actually sending 30 images for this particular shoot that you did or for that particular match. You can send 30 small files and have them look at it and say okay and they'll decide on the fly we want this, this and this. You can send it to us on the big file. They can just send a big file. It will save you a lot of time and energy. It's kind of 50-50, you know. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So it really depends on the situation. What else is there? Like I, I prepare things to upload onto uh, Twitter and uh, Flickr on Facebook and those things yeah I mean it, it really depends on how you work because this is this is not the paid part of your work but this is more the promotional part of your work uh, Matt does it and I also do it if you have a lot of people who are your friends with Facebook Facebook might be the place where you want to actually put all your pictures if you've got a lot of people on Twitter Twitter Flickr Flickr same thing I do all three just so I can actually cover all bases and have a lot of people look at it. Make sure that like, if you are afraid that people will use your picture in different things other than just having a look at them, um, they will still then use their content. You kind of have to be, as for just in terms of protecting your work, not much could be done. You can put a massive watermark across your photo, but then it kind of defeats the whole purpose of having a photo out there anyway, because it looks ugly. I mean, some part, part I mean, just make, make sure don't make it too big so they can't print it out. But usually on the internet and things like that, it's just going to be, unfortunately, a bit of fair game. So if you're very, very paranoid about having your work put across all over the internet for free, I wouldn't put it up. I really, really wouldn't. Because there's no way you're going to be able to actually catch every single person who's ever used your work for free. Because we kind of live in that area that it's just impossible to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, we've, there, we've talked about this a lot before. Yeah, yeah, and, good. you know, the, the takeaway is, yes, people are going to use it. But you know, somebody using it for their profile picture on Facebook isn't really costing you any money, and some big company is probably not going to steal your picture. And if they do, they have the money and the understanding that they'll end up having to pay you for it. There is a gray area in there where some company will take it and then claim ignorance and then just give you the runaround and never pay you, and it's not worth it to sue them or whatever. But that's just rare. The promotional value, I mean, I have clients that I got through posting on Facebook and Twitter. That's real. It's real money, it's real clients. And you're one of these people who is so terrified of somebody using your picture without permission or something like that, that you're willing to forgo the possibility of getting clients through social media and your website and whatever, then you should probably rethink what you're doing because this is a game of promotion. You need to use the gig that you're on now to get you more gigs down the road and the only way is for people to see 
what you're doing. If you got some good pictures, put some watermarks on them. Don't be obnoxious about it. And then don't be surprised when it gets used again. But it's just part of it. You're just going to have to deal with that later on. That should be the, the title of the podcast, huh? Game of Promotions, because I thought it was Game of Thrones. No. <laughs> anyway. Okay. anyway. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how it is. If you have other photographers say otherwise, I think that person is completely in, completely out of touch with the 21st century and how business is done in the sports photography world. We're basically like, you know, we're doing this podcast for people who want to become a better sports photographer, but also people who are thinking about doing this mainly on a freelance basis. Because if you are employed by the agency, in most cases, you don't really have the rights to your photos so you really can't do anything about it that'd be it's their property not yours but for people who are want to hack this as a freelancer promotion is a key to getting eyes and like i said i i i've mentioned here and there about this but for me like i'm not really in the business of selling photos now i'm in the business of having clients who would ask me to shoot for them because that's where the money is you cannot compete against likes of getty ap reuters where they have annual contracts with um, the, the magazines and newspapers and websites even. They provide infinite amount of photos for a set amount of fee every year. So for any of these you know, newspapers and, and magazines to hire you, I mean, to buy your picture over the ones that they really are going to get for literally for free from Getty, like I wouldn't if I was an editor there. I just wouldn't because I don't want to spend that much yeah, money. Just like a bad picture five minutes before a good picture is the rule a free picture before a paid picture is the rule. And, you know, we were just talking about it before. I just got last week's SI and, you know, the cover of it is by a, a very good SI photographer, but the picture also happens to be completely out of focus. The guy who's shooting the ball and the guy who's defending him are not in focus and the defenders behind them are in focus. But that guy was already paid a salary and expenses and whatever to be there so they ran the picture rather than finding a version of it that they could run and have to pay for it and that is a fact of life and it sucks but it's a fact so swim upstream all you want but that's the rule but hopefully this uh, has answered some questions about the kind of basic ins and outs of how a professional sports photographer uh, does his or her work on a daily basis. So if you got more questions about it, then please, you know, don't be shy. Go to uh, biglensfastshutter.com and uh, ask us some questions. I need to I need to add something that we need to cut in before that. The other thing about after you shoot and going along with the getting as many pictures out quickly as you can is you really need to tag everything that you have because if you have several thousand pictures, you know, a year or a month or whatever. I have several thousand a month, depending on how busy of a month it is. There's never going to be time to go back and tag everything. So you really need to stay current with it. And when I say tag, I mean, the sport it is, who's in the picture, the teams, the league, things like that, that if somebody says, hey, do you have a picture of Cristiano Ronaldo from a Champions League game last year. Like you should really be able to go back into whatever software you're using and type in Cristiano Ronaldo Champions League and be able to pull up a bunch of pictures that you can show. I get requests every other day for a certain cowboy, a certain rodeo, a certain event, um, a certain color horse, things like that. And if I had 
20,000 pictures from a year's worth of rodeo sitting in my software and I didn't have any of that tagged, it would be, you know, how long would it take you to go through 20,000 pictures? A week to find it? Just tag everything, even if you're not going to send it right away. Those pictures, if they, if there's no metadata with any of those pictures, they're worthless to you because it's going to take you longer to find that picture than it is somebody's willing to wait to buy the picture from you. So get in the habit of captioning and tagging at the very least, just tagging, even if you're not going to send them anywhere, because a picture with that information on it is going to be more valuable to you and to anybody else because you'll be able to find it. Not only is you in a monthly themed competition, it is your chance to bask yourself in sports photography limelight. Listeners pitch their photos against one another for a chance to enter the kingdom of BLFS. And of course, win a t-shirt while you're at it. If you want to play along, pause this podcast now. Pause. Good. Now go to our Flickr group page and click on this month's UN thread. Will you win? Find out now. By the way, this month, it was uh, the title was called Dominate Me. And I, I wrote, uh, more often than not, the protagonists on your sports photos are too small in size. Happens a lot. Like it's just you. We're the the subject is very very far, and we just don't really get the. I want we want a bit more aggressive type of thing going on in the frame. This month we wanted to for you to either fill the frame complete with a singular subject, or if there is a depth, the subject in the foreground is in focus and out in front. So make it big and dominant. So it had to be really really quite in your face. And if it wasn't, then you didn't do your job. So before Matt goes on, I don't know, actually, you know what? Yeah, I, was, I think we should, before we go on, we have a couple like honorable mention, Matt Cohen. Yeah, so there, there are a couple really good pictures in here that just don't satisfy the criteria. My groom, this is a great picture. Leagues better than what we've seen really for any of your stuff before. I, it's great. I like it. But he's, he's not big enough. And that's not your fault. It's just the rules of, you know, the theme of this contest was dominating and this guy is not dominating um, other than scoring. But it's a good picture. So stay with that. And then the other one is this uh, the cycling one. That's the last one, Nassos T, which is really nice. I mean, just the idea of setting up in front of these trees, getting the pack of cyclists going through is really nice. And what I really like about it is that the trees aren't random. He chose a spot to wait where visually there was a gap in between the two sets of trees. He, so he these are like uh, rows of trees, and he chose a point where there was a little bit of sky showing through, which I'm guessing didn't happen by accident. Uh, if it did, then he got incredibly lucky. But it's nice, but it's, you know, if this was a dominating picture, then he would have been along the line in the road and, you know, three inches away from these guys. So uh, very, very good picture, but not dominating. All right, number three. Uh, number Michael. three, I, I have no idea how to say this guy's name, um, but it is the snowmobiling picture that is backlit and is very yellow and... The guy's name is in Cyrillic, and I, despite being Russian, do not know Cyrillic. Russian Jewish. Jewish. Oh, my God. So complicated. Third is Eddie Think, which is, uh, this one is a a, uh, skateboarding picture at a skate park. Um, I've actually invited him to come and join the party, and he did. He got up very, very close. He filled the entire frame with the skater, and that's what I, I wanted to see. Not the skater, 
but the fact that you actually fill the entire frame with a the protagonist, which is the guy in the middle, and voila, here it goes. That's my number three. Yeah, that's my number two. Um, you know, it's this is what we were looking for. Like we saw some skating pictures the last time, skateboarding pictures where the skater was kind of lost because of the background or something. And it was a combination of too busy of a background and too far away. If you're shooting this, this is where you want to be. You need to be, I'm guessing he was, I don't know, six inches away from that wheel. Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, your camera can get smacked by that board or your head can get smacked by that board. But you need to be there to get the picture. And so you need to decide if that risk is worth it to you. But if you're three steps back, you're not getting this picture and you're not getting a good picture. Well done. My number two is Brendan Bank. This is probably going to be Matt Cohen's number one. By the way, we actually don't talk about who's going to be number one, two, or three before we do the recording. So we're choosing this without the other person not knowing what they're going to choose. We're not liking, we're not colluding or doing anything beforehand. But you can probably see from the past, well, the years that we've been doing this, that when we choose something, in most cases, where our decisions are quite similar. Like, it might be like differences between first place and third place, but it's basically that close. So you can see that we go for quality and not just for plain ass crappy stuff that you send us, which are not very, very good. So make sure it's very, very good, just like uh, Brendan Banks. The only thing that I didn't like, because everything else I really like is, just, you know, it's backlit and you can see the silhouette, you can see the water, and you can see the. the the light is that I didn't know what picture it was. And you have to like really tell me what it is uh, to say, oh, this is a surfing. I know it's very, very minimal, but if I could actually see a hint of a surfboard somewhere there, that would have been really, really perfect for me. And I'm also really at this juncture now with Brendan's career. I just don't think it's, um, I'm not going to give him a free pass anymore of anything because I really want him to really keep on trying and digging and digging deep to make sure everything is picked like absolutely, absolutely perfect. I'm not doing him any favor by just giving him, saying, oh, Brendan, this is good for first place, and therefore, Bob, it's great. Wait, when did he get a free pass before, though? Oh, I think I was giving a bit of free pass here and there. Here we were, we were. I was, but you weren't. But you're a nice guy, Matt Cohen, you know? All right, Matt, you're number one. Yeah, my number one is, is Brendan's. I, I don't actually disagree with wanting to see a little bit more of the board. Honestly, this probably should be, it should be horizontal should be landscape orientation. I yeah, don't know if it yeah, was yeah. shot like that or if it was cropped like that because there was something not good in there. I, I really don't know, but we're not judging the absolute quality of the picture. We're judging based on which one satisfied it, and this one does. Um, both the sun and the surfer, I think, are the subjects, and they're both dominating the frame. I like the exposure. I like that you can see a little bit of the sun coming through the wave. Yeah, this I just think this is better than the other entries. Like it, it is not a perfect picture. It's not one of Brendan's best pictures, uh, but it is the best for this month, I believe. And I'm going to go number three on that for number one for me, which is, by the way, this is the Chico. And I think this is water, isn't it? Or is, it, is this snow? Snow. It's a snow again. It might be water. It's not water. It could be. <laughs> semantics, I say semantics. I just, I, I love I love the color. I really, really love, love the color of this shot. And I love the fact that the guy is looking towards me. 
that can't see his eyes, but I perfectly know it's a jet ski or a snowmobile, whatever it is this got this guy's got. And just uh, the fact that he got this particular shot in this light, I uh, it's just it's it's fantastic. And that really was the difference between me choosing this and over Brendan Banks is that I knew which sport it was. It's it's a bit difficult. Like for instance, then you could actually get into an argument of if I take a shot of Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi or LeBron James and I don't show a ball or I don't show a football pitch, would you know what kind of sports that person was playing? And hence the, the, the whole, I, I think I talked about the fact that if you're famous, you get a bit of a free pass in terms of putting that person in a, in a setting where they have no, their, their surrounding doesn't tell the story of like what sport they're playing. But you get a free pass because that person is famous. You can kind of automatically link that. Oh yeah, because he's so and so. He plays football, so I know this is a football picture. It's a bit of a. It's not really a cheap cop out because that's just kind of reality. Is how our brain works. Um, had we lived in a society where surfing is our biggest sport, I'd have probably said if that guy Brendan Shaw was very famous, and if I could actually figure out from the silhouette, I'd say yeah, that's great. You know, it's a great surfing shot. I wouldn't have to even second guess what it is. Hence, this is my number one. That's a really good argument, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's all right. Yeah. So I think it, uh, we should give us number one to this guy. Because I don't want no. Brennan. Brennan, get, Brennan got too much stuff now at this point. And he got a one and a two. This guy got a one and a three. It's not It's not a question. Well, just give it to the skateboarder. <laughs> no, that's number three. <laughs> no, but really? Brendan's one? This one? Nah, Matt Cohen. I can't give him this one. <laughs> I just, I know it really, really, it really bothers me that I don't know what that person's doing. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, take take like three steps back and think about it. I, I like it. I, I really do the, like this. The, the snowmobile one is too obvious. That you know, the, we're on we're on opposite ends of the continuum here. Brendan's is too obscure. The snow the snowmobile one is too obvious. It's there's nothing wrong with Brendan's picture that isn't wrong with the snowmobile picture. No, I agree. Right. So Brendan got a one and a two, and the snowmobile one got a one and a three. It's not a question. It's a tie. I can't. I can't give that one. <laughs> So no one, no one gets a T-shirt at that wow. point, you know. That's an amazing cop out. <laughs> it's a no because I now, it's just like I said, if that guy is famous enough that we all knew him, I think it would have been okay that there's no surfboard in the picture. But since he's not, just looking at it, it's a beautiful picture. But is it a, you know, is it a beautiful sports photograph just because of that? You know what I mean? All right. We're 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 not. You know, we're not running a show on photography, Matt Cohen. This is sports photography. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you filled me in. How long have I been doing this? I don't know. Too long. <laughs> too long. <laughs> too long. Too long. No. Well, listen. We'll call it a tie. We'll cop out that way. All right. Okay. It's very. It's it's good to actually see them side by side, huh? It's very beautiful because it's two different yeah, colors, you know? They're, they're, you know, they're both good pictures. I, there's no question about it. There you go. It's the first tie we've ever had. It is not the first tie we've ever had. No? We had different, no, did we have ties we've before? We've had then? ties. Yeah, we've had ties before. All right. Anyway, so that is uh, you win. Um, so next month, we've been very, very good about this. I think we'll hopefully we can do this in the future. We will be asking you to shoot backgrounds that has a repetitive pattern or a particular pattern. So the pattern could be the crowds, 
but it has to be very specific because you can't just shoot a crowd and just call it a pattern. Um, hope a very geometric one, like the one we actually saw uh, with the cyclist and the trees behind it. It would be a very, very great pattern shot. Obviously, there has to be some sports going on in the foreground or in the background because I, I, would, I would also go for a geometric pattern or any sort of pattern in the foreground as well. There has to be some kind of a pattern that's going on inside a frame. So, if you've got something that you can show us, please uh, go to our Flickr page. So, Flickr and look for Big Lens Fast Shutter, you'll be able to find it. If you can't find it, go to our BigLensFastShutter.com homepage and you can go from there. To participate in you when go to Flickr.com and search for a group Big Lens Fast Shutter, just what I said. Find the latest you win topic, follow the directions, post your picture, and pray to God that you will not end up in a tie. So... You know what the next month is, we'll call it Patterns, and we bid you adieu until we go to the next section. Cross Counter Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're going to prove you wrong with... Cross counter because I'm at my friend's office and I need to make sure that I'm very quiet. I'm not really very quiet right now. Time to whisper in very hushed tones and hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. Before we get into our cross counter for this month, uh, Matt is gonna tell you something about one of our services we have, which is called Training Ground. Matt, go away. Let me ask you some questions, and I want you to answer them truthfully. Are you satisfied with your current relationship? I mean, with your sports pictures? Have you ever wondered if your pictures are as good as your loved ones say they are? Would you like to know the truth? Let us help you by critiquing your photos like you've never been critiqued before. Go to our Flickr group page and submit your photos. And if you want to see how it works, go to youtube.com and search for Big Lens Fast Shutter. The truth shall set you free. Feel free to weep when we bring the pain. It only hurts for a minute. If you don't get better by us critiquing your photos, that means you're not trying hard enough. It's not our fault, really. So, um... Yeah, I think we kind of mentioned about the fact that uh, we were talking about this whole quality, like quantity, or really rather speed over quality in sports photography uh, on the wire, over the wire agency. And yeah, um, Matt will give you a bit about what's going on. I will also add as well, but he felt quite strongly about the... Um, the Sports Illustrated cover, and I will kind of tip in, uh, chip in with the other stuff that I actually have thought about um, in terms of the ever-declining quality of sports photographs over the years. Yeah, we did touch on it before, and it really ends up just being a matter of the illusion of speed. I think that it's just gotten into the blood of the people that make decisions at major publications, whether it's a website or a magazine or a newspaper, that the first picture wins and it doesn't matter what the quality of it is it just matters 
how fast you can get it. And I remember right before the Olympics, there were a couple stories about the systems that AP and Getty and Reuters were setting up with access points and hard wires running from venue to venue to back to the editing room. And they were talking about the, this was like a tech article talking about the raw speed of how quickly a picture could get from a camera to an editing desk. And it was measured in seconds. The, I think the focus of all of that, I think that the people who are in charge of getting good pictures would rather get good pictures, but I think it's just been handed down that the, the key is going to be speed. Take as many pictures as you can quickly and get them back to us so that we can get them out. And that's great if you're trying to win a race, but it's not good for the quality of the pictures. I'm not saying that there were no good pictures that came out of Sochi because there definitely were. I've seen them. We've talked about a couple of them here. But when you look at Boston.com's The Big Picture, which is basically like a big roundup of whatever the big story is, the best pictures that they can find on any of the wires that they have access to. And if you look at sporting events recently, the quality of those pictures is just going down. You know, I'm not saying that those people that are making those pictures aren't good. I'm just saying that they're being tasked to prefer speed over quality. And there's no question the pictures from Greece and the pictures from wherever uh, the last couple Olympics have been, I don't China, these pictures that are coming out of Sochi are not as good as those. And it's not because the technology is getting worse because the technology is getting better. Cameras are better. Autofocus is better. The lenses are better. But I think people are just in way too much of a hurry and it sucks. I've been in a hurry myself and it does affect my pictures, but I'm never ever going to make the priority be speed because this is my work. This is what has my name on it. You know, if somebody's going to beat me with a shitty picture, then let them beat me with a shitty picture, but I'm still going to have a good picture. Yeah, but I think it's a bit of a different thing that it's not you making decisions, but it's really them. The, the, the top, not even the top brass, the middle management people. Who yeah, absolutely. Is, you know, their, their job is on the line if you don't submit the, their, the, 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 the winning goal picture two seconds after it was done. You know, like it has to be sent immediately. I think the advent of digital photography has actually made it worse because like Matt said, the speed is everything now um, and quality means basically nothing. It's the same thing as journalism per se that we talk about, uh, like what happens in journalism now is that people just, they don't even fact check, they just like send a story out and if there's something wrong, they'll just redact it. That's what they do which would never happen uh, before we get, got into the whole, you know, the digital age really right now. We are, I think, as big and as fashion, we were kind of up against, the, not really up against the wall really, because we're kind of going a different direction that we are telling you not to like take things slowly, but that you understand that you have to take good, good pictures, good sports pictures, and you have to also be able to have the eye to decide which one is good and which one is bad. Because if you're not pressed for time by your agency or your newspaper, you have all the time in the world to be very, very careful which you know picture to select and which picture that you think is very, very good. Or even even better that you get, you have to all the freedom to choose what you want to shoot instead of actually just going for the winning goal or the winning touchdown or the losing or the blah, 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 all these high moments that there are a lot of moments between them that are beautiful that you shot that would never see the light of the day if you have worked for an agency or a newspaper. Saying that, 
these two images that we've actually well chosen for you will be a bit different because it's a bit different. So Matt Cohen, your cross counter. So if you want to see these, uh, go to biglensfastshutter.com and look up the blog post for this episode, which is number 38. Um, my choice, I'm on the boston.com big picture site that I was just talking about a minute ago. Again, if, you, if you're not familiar with the site, you should be because it's not just sports. They, they'll do whatever the big story is. If there's a tsunami or an earthquake or something, they'll round up all the best pictures. The change in seasons, they'll always have like, a oh, it's winter now and here's a bunch of snow pictures and the same for the other seasons. And they also do large sporting events, obviously. The most recent one that is related to sports is from the Sochi Paralympics, so the 2014 Paralympics, and I've chosen number 27, which is the South Korea versus United States playing ice sledge hockey. So it's like hockey um, on sleds, I guess. Man, that looks hard. But this is a panning picture of multiple players going with the puck. So, you know, this is somebody obviously had enough pictures and decided that they were going to be a little bit creative. And it's hard enough to pan with one subject, but it's really hard to pan with uh, six of them at the same time. So I like this. You can see where the puck is and you, you can also see that the the motion, I, I guess, how they get down the field because they don't have the use of their legs is with their hands pushing off the ice. So the most of the blur is from that. So I think that makes for a really cool picture. And even if you didn't know what the sport was or had never seen a picture like I had, you can still figure out what's going on, but it's not so in your face obvious that it's boring. Why you've actually been, it's panning. It's very panning. You know how to, sh how to shoot pans at this point. You know, soft, not, not slow shutter speed. And uh, yeah, you're going to have to spin your camera at the speed of the subject. So just let you know. Yeah, I think this is actually, like, I don't particularly like this picture that much as Matt does, but um, technically, very, very, like, it's to get six people in focus, panning is not a very easy thing to do. Like, they're actually moving at the same speed, which is probably not the easiest thing to do either. So, photographer gets, for me, like, a technical award for this one. I don't, like, if the, they were kind of, like, in a sort of a kind of a pattern, I would have actually liked it better. It was obviously shot from uh, from the top and not from the bottom, as you can see from the angle, because... It happens the same thing with figure skating. If you want to get the ice in the background and not the crowds in the background, you have to shoot from a higher angle. Because had it had had he shot this um, further up from the top, it would not have been good. It's it's just a more it's a matter of taste to me that I'm not really too crazy about it. But hey, you know, to each his own. That is Matt's cross corner. That's why we have cross corner. We can actually talk about it. Um, mine is this is yeah well, you have to go to biglensfastshutter.com and this is Kobe this is number the last one at the bottom the last one at the bottom will be the last one really it's uh, Kobe Bryant playing against the Clippers and he is uh, yeah he's been shot between the legs of the, the ref and he's not doing anything other than falling but he's falling in a very grace, graceful way and the reason I chose this is because we are actually coming to almost at the beginning of the NBA playoffs. Tonight will be the championship uh, game for the university college level basketball, which is very, very popular in um, in America. 
uh, against Kentucky, which is a a state in America. Oh, Connecticut, which is also a state in America. So, in case you have nothing, know nothing about America or basketball, <laughs> those are the two teams. <laughs> and interesting enough, both of the teams don't have a professional team in their own state, which means uh, the college level is the highest that they can actually get in terms of basketball, which means it's very, 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 very popular in that state. So if you ever see and met anyone from Kentucky or Connecticut, they will tell you all about their basketball if they're, you know, big sports fans. Uh, the reason I like this photo is just because, like, that I, it's, it's, uh, it's nicely framed by the ref's, um, the ref's legs. The lights beyond Kobe's left foot is also very, very nice. Uh, Matt suggested it might be out of focus, and I kind of think it might be slightly out of focus. But it, looking at it from this size and this angle, I mean, this uh, this viewpoint doesn't really bother me that much. And I, yeah, I keep on telling you about this. You know, this is nothing like Matt's picture had nothing to do with the whole the highs and lows of the actual game. This particular one had nothing to do with highs and lows of the actual game itself. It's just Kobe, you know, doing what he was doing and doing a kung fu kick and the guy falling uh, behind him and that was it. It's kind of just, uh, you know, just telling you that A, you can always shoot between referees' legs and make things a lot more interesting and B, that there are a lot of moments in sports, whatever you're going to be shooting, that has nothing, like for instance, there's no ball in this shot and there's no basket. There's a bit of a basketball like the top of the, you know, the referee's side on the left-hand side, but that's about it. But you can see, have like just really quite beautiful, you know, quaint moments in sports where it's quite athletic, but at the same time, it's just a bit of a fun, I think. And that's fine. Yeah, the only thing that I like about this picture is that it's a good example of an athlete doing something athletic. Again, we, we'll, we see this every time with Training Ground. You're making sports pictures, but the ones that you're choosing to make and the ones that you're choosing to work on and show to other people are not showing athletes being athletic. This is Kobe taking a foul, I'm guessing, and he's looking more athletic than a lot of the pictures that we see of somebody dribbling a soccer ball down the field. And that's not because Kobe's a better athlete. It's because the photographer chose a moment and then chose to present a picture where he's doing something athletic. There's plenty of pictures of Kobe looking unathletic, and there's plenty of pictures of somebody dribbling, dribbling a soccer ball looking unathletic, but it did task is to find one where they are looking athletic and so this is Kobe taking a foul he's up in the air in a pretty you know precarious position where he could definitely get hurt but he's still looking more athletic than most of the stuff we see so I like that the ref's legs are good but the thing is that's like an afterthought the picture still has to be good and this one isn't it's not bad because the ball's not there it's not bad because the hoop's not there it's bad because it's out of focus so there it is our wonderful Wonderful cross counter, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll have more of that uh, next month. Um, I guess we'll, the next one's more well, next not next month. Um, the next one will be training ground, and uh, we will have lots of it, and hopefully we'll have other additional other additional of other announcements uh, later on about the show, which should change a bit on yeah on things. Uh, and with that, we end the 38th episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. That is the amount of year that I have been on this earth as well. So it's nothing to do with the episode, but it doesn't really matter. Um, can't do this without you. 
my wonderful, beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with Two Bs, our wonderful producer extraordinaire. Even if you are not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at biglensfastshutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have the dollar in your pocket, please donate it to us. To recap, Facebook, blog, iTunes, and donate. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next month.